The following podcast is scheduled for one fall with a 60-minute time limit. Coming to the microphone, hailing from Hayes, North Carolina, Playboy Brian Brickhouse. And his podcast partner, hailing from the Ozark Mountains, J.T. Hall. Together, they are known as Take Four Wrestling. This is Take Four Wrestling episode. Five. I am Brian Kilby, and with me I have Joey Roberts, aka JT Hogg. Say the second G with a smile. That's right. Boo. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. How are you doing today, Brian? Uh not not bad. I think uh, this is a much better card than our last show. Yeah, this one was a lot more enjoyable. I I already will spoil the ending of this review. But um, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, in my, fact, I watched it twice. Really? Yeah, that's cool. Uh, my friend Jason, uh, who actually originally recommended this to me, uh, came over because he he just watched it uh, a couple months ago. But he came over and we watched it Saturday night, and uh, that was a, that was a good time. Well, tell Jason he has good taste. And he does. He does. But uh, so yeah, this week we are talking about the Great American Bash, nineteen eighty nine from WCW. Uh, but before we get to that, we have to talk about our gimmick of the week. And when you told me this one, I, this I have no idea what you're talking about. So you're just going to have to explain this one. You have to carry this completely. This is actually a WWF one and done. Um, his name is Fantasio. He was uh, a wrestling mime. Oh, my God. And uh, he wrestled uh, one ma- uh, one televised match in the uh, World Wrestling Federation against Tony DeVito. Uh, he had a few uh, singles matches uh, on uh, house shows, but um, he what he'd do is he'd uh, come down the ring, he would uh, wear a black and white mime mask, and um, of course he would take off the mask and give it to a kid in the audience, but his face paint underneath was painted the same way. And he uh, didn't really do moves, he did more magic tricks in the ring. What? Uh, he would uh he had a cane and flowers would come out of it and uh his finishing move was to remove the uh boxers out of the back of his opponent you know like the uh when they pull it completely out where it's not broken <laughs> so pardon my french but you're shitting me no that's that's an on uh that was an honest gimmick in uh WWF uh i think it was around 1995 uh jim ross called the match um, he had to act like he was excited, but the, uh, coup de gras on the end of it was, he also did it to the referee. And when he pulled the referees under route, it was uh black and white striped. And, uh, the referee was Earl Hefner. So was, was it Dave or was it Earl? Uh, I, it was Earl. Okay. Cause you know, the, the Hefner twins are identical twins, which they're interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he uh he didn't do very he didn't fare very well in WWF. That was his only uh televised match. But it sounds like he won. Yes, he he won with uh when he pulled his boxers out uh Tony DeVito was so shocked that he rolled him up. <laughs> so so what happened? Why 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 was there just one match? 
must not have worked out for him. <laughs> he actually he wrestled in uh, USWA for a couple years, but he was known as the Spellbinder, and uh, he would do like magic tricks in the ring, but they were more um, more akin to devious magic tricks. And he, I don't think he looked like a, ma- a mime in U- uh, USWA either. I mean, stealing somebody's underwear is pretty devious. <laughs> that is true. And very shocking, too. But not as shocking as the Shockmaster. Nothing's shocking as the Shockmaster. That's true. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's a new one to me. Yeah, and uh, we don't have to talk about it real long because he only had one match. That's great. That's great. <laughs> and is uh, obviously memorable because I remember it so many years later. Um, I said 1995 is actually 1993. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump to the main event of this week's uh, show. The Great American Bash, 1989. This was a heck of a show. Uh, I don't think there was any like single standout match. I mean, from a... I mean, I, I don't think there was like one, like what I would consider a big match. The biggest match probably would be the main event, I, I guess, which is uh, Terry Funk versus Ric Flair, which is coming out of, uh, oh gosh, was it Chi-Town Rumble? It was one of the pay-per-views where uh, Terry Funk uh, turned on Ric Flair after he uh, defeated Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. And during, during part of the, during the part of the trilogy. And uh, gosh, I think it's Chi-Town, Chi-Town Rumble, but I may be wrong. But um, but yeah, so basically what happened, uh, Terry Funk uh, ended up taking Ric Flair and what, power driving him through a table, which turned Ric Flair, of all people, face, uh, which led up to this match, which is, again, the main event. Again, it's just an example of uh, what we watched last week where you get power drive through a table and has no effect, but yet Ric Flair gets power drive through a table and they turned it into a huge storyline and probably had a pretty big buy rate for it. Mm-hmm. I bet they did for WCW at the time. This was actually uh, NWA. Well, it's it's WCW. This was when they were still aligned with NWA. Oh, that is... so. so did Turner own it at this point? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it came out on Turner Home Video, didn't it? Yeah. Interesting thing about this one is that there were technical difficulties, if you noticed that uh, they had to account for after the fact. So it looks like they this first match, it looks like they uh, lost some of the uh, uh, segments from the... This was, I guess this was a, a sort of a Battle Royal or a War Game style match. Yeah, I didn't... Uh, I thought it was very interesting. They all came out with crowns for some reason. And uh, it was a big two-ring uh, King of the Hill Battle Royal. And it was a lot of uh, a lot of guys I had uh, that were uh, future legends, and um, it was an interesting battle royal. But uh, I think we knew in the end who was going to win pretty pretty quickly. What I loved about the ending, uh, the the uh, gosh, the skyscraper, not the skyscrapers, the um, yeah, they're the skyscrapers. They are the skyscrapers. Duh. Uh, they ended up winning. That was uh, what Dan Spivey and um, Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious. God, there was a time when people liked Sid Vicious. <laughs> well, Sid Vicious was over. Did you uh, notice how many people were cheering for him? Yeah, I know. It was crazy. It was crazy. He just uh, cleared that whole ring. Uh, I like the. I did like the rules of this. 
if you got thrown out of the first ring into the second ring, and then you would get thrown out to be completely eliminated out of the second ring, and then it would come down to a match between whoever the last two in the ring were. Yeah, and it ended up being Dan Spivey and Sid Vicious. And Teddy Long came out and was like, no, no, they're not going to fight. They're going to split the winnings. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, uh, old peanut head. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I think the announcers pretty much spoiled the ending of the match, if you noticed. I didn't catch it, no. What happened? They they were like, uh, they said, "What what happens if it comes down between Sid Vicious and Dan Spivey? Like they were, I just thought that was interesting that they brought that up and then it turned out that was the ending of the match. Well, I mean, you know, uh, at the, at the Royal Rumble, I mean, they always call out, uh, what happens if, if a tag team, uh, or a stable have to go at it. It's like, it's, it's every man for himself. So I, I think it was a reasonable question to bring up. Um, were there any other tag teams? That were part of this, I guess. Uh, yeah, Rick and Scott, um, Steve Williams, uh, Mike Rotunda, and Kevin Sullivan. It's Ke- oh, yeah. they are, Okay, so yeah, you had the Varsity Club. Uh, you had, what else? The Steiner Brothers. So, oh, yeah, Steiner Brothers. And Terry Gordy was there. Was there another member of the uh, Fabulous Freebirds? No, but uh, Terry, I don't think they were a tag team at the time, but Terry Gordy and Steve Williams teamed up a lot. Oh, really? Interesting. But yeah, Scott Hall was in this. This, That was pretty neat to see Scott Hall. I completely forgot that. Yeah, you're right. He was. He was the. uh, This was his only match on the card. But uh, it was still kind of cool to see a a big uh, hairy chested Scott Hall. Yeah. So interesting finish. I don't like the two-ring gimmick, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, differentiate yourself how you can. Yeah, it gets, like, if it's out there for the whole show, it it gets kind of old after a while. But what are you going to do? Load, uh, bring it in and put together a ring in the middle of the show? So it's almost like you have to leave it out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Next match was Brian Pillman versus Bill Irwin. Uh, It was an okay match. Yeah, uh, it was the goon, Bill Irwin. Yeah. He was the goon in uh, WWF, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Sure do. One of my, uh, I I like the Bill Irwin a lot because he's one of my favorite type of heels, which is a very vocal heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's always saying something, always talking, always yelling. And uh, it was a pretty exciting match, I thought. Uh, Brian Pillman was way ahead of his time. Absolutely. Very athletic fella. But, I mean, it was a preliminary match, pretty much. It was a match yeah. you'd see on Saturday night or something. Yeah. It was okay. Uh, not really much to say about it. Uh, I mean, it was the, gosh, it was probably the third or fourth longest match on the card. Which is saying something, considering the first match had, like, uh, what, ten guys. And this went just as long. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised the length of this match. I figured this was going to be, like, a three or four minute match tops. Actually, the shortest match on the card was what? The Steiner Brothers match with the Varsity Club? Yeah, the Texas Tornado match. That went which by really quick. Yeah, which is crazy. That actually was uh, shorter than the Jim Cornette and Paul Eden <laughs> match. But but the next match on the card was uh, the Skyscrapers versus the Dynamic Dudes. <laughs> they were funny. Did, yeah. Did you like uh, how the dudes were playing Frisbee with the... 
the the heavy kid. Yeah, a little heavy kid. It's, he had a uh, let's see, was it Johnny Ace that picked him up? Yeah. Uh, he had a hard. It seemed almost like he had a hard time getting on the <laughs> rail. I thought to myself, that could have been me as a little kid. Could have been. Uh, but yeah, I love that they uh, played Frisbee and they uh, gave him the Frisbee. Uh, I do not. I mean, it was uh, 89, so I get why they had, why this gimmick existed. It just, um, the dynamic dudes didn't do much for me. Didn't age well either. Does Shane ever talk about that when you when you converse with him? Uh, he usually doesn't talk about that too much. I think yeah, the dynamic dudes is a, a time in his history that he doesn't care for. Yeah. Well, he's definitely the worker of the two. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. This match was uh, sloppy. Yeah. Um, Sid I Vicious, forgot that Dan's. Go ahead. Uh, Sid Vicious was in it very little. Um, I, and they put Dan Spivey in there the most, and it was just sloppy move after sloppy move. I've never been a fan of Sid Vicious. And Dan Spivey, uh, I forgot that he was as big as he is. Yeah, he didn't seem that big when he was uh, Whale and Mercy in WF. Nope. No, but uh, definitely uh, here, you know, he's a big dude, but uh, I, I, not a Sid Vicious fan, never have been, don't get it, uh, and I don't get how the fans were <laughs> were so big on him. Oh, they loved Sid Vicious for some reason. His uh, In his WWF run was actually the first time I ever saw Sid Vicious. Oh, yeah, me too. And uh, the powerbomb was one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen because I hadn't seen a powerbomb at that point yet. Yep. But it was just crazy. Like, the powerbomb in NWA had been going on for years before it came to WWF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, for whatever reason, not something that was really utilized in the WWF. But the WWF never, at that point, didn't have any, like, really athletic guys that were that tall. Like Hogan was what really real in real life what about six three so he couldn't have pulled that off. Yeah, that's that's not a move that Andre would have pulled off. So the WWF really just had a lot of muscle heads, uh, people that were probably you know maybe uh, using the uh, the old uh, syringe the supplements. Yeah, a little too much. <laughs> Iso Isopro. Icopro. <laughs> Icopro. Yeah, uh, Jim Ross actually made a point of that uh, to take a crack at the WWF. And he was talking about Sid Vicious and Dan Spivey just aren't big muscle heads. They're actually good athletes. Yeah. Well, you got to do that stuff. Uh, But yeah, so they defeated uh, the dynamic dudes. With a botched powerbomb. Yeah, that was was rough. That was ugly. Yeah, the whole match was just super ugly. Um, And uh, did you notice Teddy Long's teeth in that match? I did not. When they got a close-up of him? Something was going on with him. And he had a great scallop going on, too. He did, and the, <laughs> the camera focused on it. It was bad. Uh, next match was uh, Jim Cornette versus uh, Polly Dangerously. Now, I like I, I watched this before, and for whatever reason, I, in my mind, they both got juice in this, but neither of them did. Uh, what I liked about it was that Polly uh, kept working on Jim's knee, uh, but he was working on, of course, the one that wasn't injured. <laughs> Which actually it looks like the first time he went on went at it, he hit the wrong knee, and Jim like yelled at him, and he went and started attacking the other knee. But uh, Jim and Paulie both sold way more in this match than most WWE wrestlers have ever sold in their careers. Yeah, it was a pretty good match. Um, I've listened to Jim Cornette talk about this a few times, and he said that everybody was treating it like a joke, but he wanted to go out and make it serious. And uh, I think they did a pretty good job at it. 
Uh, Paul E cut a heck of a promo before the match. A real yes. super intense promo. There's a lot of good promos in this. Uh, Jim Cornette's pro- Jim Cornette's pro- uh, promo was good. Uh, I really liked uh, Gary Hart's promo about the the Great Muda, uh, which was just crazy. Yeah, he was uh, saying all all sorts of crazy things about about how the Great Muda trains and everything. But yeah, the yeah. the promos are top notch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the uh, Jim Cornette one uh, s- stripped him of his clothes, and uh, he basically ran out of the ring. <laughs> I liked how he kicked the powder into his face. That was a. I love that. This was actually one of, I would say, probably top three matches on the card. Yeah, we love this this card. I don't. I don't really get it. Uh, the Steiner brothers defeated the Varsity Club. Uh, this was the Texas Tornado match. And it was, uh, it was, thankfully it was over quickly. I don't, I, not really my thing. I think, it, I think it's because it just seemed as a Texas tornado match, it really just seemed odd and out of place. It was a, it was very physical. It was, uh, the match was a very physical match. They were really, uh, hitting each other pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, it's like I I watched it turn my head for a minute to do something else, and it was over. Well, he had a really neat uh, spot where um, I think it was Rick Steiner did a sunset flip on Mike Rotunda, and Mike Rotunda wouldn't grow down, so uh, Rick Steiner headbutted him in the crotch to take him down. Hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna have to remember that because that was a pretty neat move. Yeah, but uh, and Missy Hyatt was out there. It was nice to see yeah. her. Mm-hmm. She's a a very attractive lady. Absolutely. Uh, next match. I think this was probably the, the best match on the card. You may disagree, but it was Sting versus the Great Muda. Yeah, Great Muda was super intimidating. Yeah. He was, they, WCW and uh, NWA always had it right with Great Muda by making him so mysterious because mm-hmm. he was a scary dude and they didn't bring him in enough. Uh, so when they did bring him in, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. I remember every time be like, "Oh, the great mood is coming back!" Like, "Oh no," because he was just such a mysterious, just uh, monster, and he wasn't a big guy. He was just a little tiny guy. He's six. He he's six two. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, and two hundred and forty pounds. So, like, not a giant, not by those standards of those back then. Most Japanese wrestlers are cruiserweights, and you know, by that standards, I mean he's he's a big dude. Yeah, one of the bigger cruiserweights. Well, he, I mean, he, he was 240 pounds, so he would have been, he wouldn't have been a cruiserweight. And he, uh, but he, re- but he wrestled like one. Yeah, definitely. He, uh, pretty much is the one that introduced the, uh, moonsault to the masses in America. Even though, uh, Lanny Poffa was actually doing a moonsault in, uh, back in the Memphis days. Really? He was, Lanny Poffa was way ahead of his time on stuff like that. I've never thought of him as the uh, brilliant wrestler that his brother was. He was extremely athletic. Uh, he did a moonsault in the match against Hulk Hogan on Saturday night. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> I think they called it a like a somersault flip or something because <laughs> they didn't have a name for it yet. I love how they have to uh, like work around and create names before a move uh, really gets – popular i like you know like uh like the announcers now i mean most every move has been named I, I, so but occasionally they'll still have to pull out the japanese name or something before it becomes you know anglicized 
What were they? Uh, I was watching a show the other day. I think it was. Um, they were actually using names from the video game, which I thought was pretty funny. It was like the Falcon's Arrow. That's funny. <laughs> They're uh, uh, Brian Logan. He was wrestling a guy one time. And uh, they were going over the match, calling it. And the guy was like, I'm going to whip you off the ropes. I'm going to give you a kitchen sink. And Brian Logan's like, what? He's like, a kitchen sink. He's like, buddy. He's like, I've been wrestling for 25 years. I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, a knee to the gut. And you flip over. He's like, why didn't you just say that? It's funny. Because uh, I remember uh, on, it was, I think it was WCW Revenge. That's what they called it, like the kitchen sink. So uh, that's how you can usually tell if something, uh, how experienced somebody is, is if they call them, like the wrestling moves by all the video game moves or names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, any so uh, anything outstanding though, as far as what made this match so great? I mean, uh, the Muda, great Muda pulled out the mist, which I which made me kind of sad to learn it's just like food coloring in a condom. Is that what it is? I've always wondered about that. Yeah, it's just it's just a condom with food coloring in it. I thought maybe it was off. some sort of apparatus that he made. Nope, nope, hmm. no, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and what he just because he, he could spit out different colors too, couldn't he? Yeah, they put different color food coloring in the condom. <laughs> so he had probably like three or four different condoms in his mouth at any given. Time. Well, yeah, he, he would have one. Gary Hart, I'm certain, would carry, keep it, <laughs> you know, in his pocket, and he would hand it to him outside of the ring. Why well, would just like to picture Great Moon with like six condoms in his mouth? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but good match. Uh, it had a strange finish that uh, led to, led to some controversy. That uh, I mean, it w- really wasn't in question whether or not Sting was pinned. In that, uh, what was it? A belly to back suplex? Yeah, the old belly to back pin. Uh, Muda had yeah. his shoulder up too. So yeah, so Muda had his shoulder up. So the question was, did the match actually end with uh, Sting defeating Muda? And it really didn't look like it. Uh, I don't really know what they where they went from there because I haven't watched uh, anything that followed up on it. But uh, interesting match. Now, now the next match was Lex Luger versus Ricky Steamboat. I, I love Ricky Steamboat. Um, but why on earth he came out with that uh, Komodo Dragon? I will never know. <laughs> yeah, the uh, he did that a few times. Uh, I think he did that in WWF too. It's not and like the WWF. You'd breathe fire, which seemed degrading, but the Komodo dragon's worse. <laughs> yeah, the Komodo dragon. I liked his little leather jacket. And uh, yes, he had the studded leather jacket. <laughs> and he he didn't look real happy about being there. Nope. Ricky Steamboat always seemed to want to take his uh, wife and kid out to the ring too with him. Well, he he was a white meat baby face. So. Yeah. But uh, Lex Luger, um, he was pretty over for being a heel. As a heel, like if I remember correctly, the fans were chanting. Was it this where the fans were chanting like "Luger sucks"? Actually, there was what I think this is where they were actually just chanting for Luger altogether. Really? Well, so uh, Luger got the chair, and there was that really awesome, uh, awesome spot where I don't even I don't even remember how it works. It basically set it up to where uh, Luger got uh, thrown into the turnbuckle by Ricky Steamboat and hit himself with the chair, which didn't lead to a disqualification. <laughs> yeah, he uh, Lex Luger got hit by the uh, 
catapult from Ricky Steamboat, and he had the like the chair in front of him, and uh, that was a re- that was a really cool spot. Yeah, it w- but it was kind of a weird finish because Ricky Steamboat got got the chair and just decided that he was going to wail on Lex Luger with it. <laughs> yeah, for really which no is reason. Yeah, which is something you don't really see a face doing unless they're provoked. Uh, at least back then, and he wasn't and, even really that provoked, really. Yeah, I know, and he, uh, but the fans loved it. Yeah, yeah. Lex Luger, uh, he gets a lot of crap, but I don't think he was as bad. He is as bad as uh, people like to say he is. I think this was the peak of his ability. He was a little I, stiff, but he he was. I but I think after after especially he uh, went to WWF and everything, then came back. I, I think that was that was definitely on the uh, downward slope of his career. At this point, I think this was peak, basically the peak of his uh, in ring skill. And he went for another twenty years. So what's that say? I know. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. The next match. This actually, I said before that the War Games match was the first match. No, that was this. It was this match. It was the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express who were faces somehow yeah. with uh, Doctor Death, uh, Steve Williams, uh, versus the Fabulous Freebirds and the Samoan SWAT team. So, did you notice in that promo uh, the way uh, Fat Two and Samu were acting when it was awesome? <laughs> they were biting each other as hard as they could. That was so great. I love that. But uh, what made me sad is uh, the promo uh, that the Road Warriors, uh, the Midnight Express, and Dr. Death, who was flying around for some reason, <laughs> yeah. that Jim Cornette didn't do the speaking for the Midnight Express. Yeah, they actually talked. That was odd. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, really weird. But the, the match itself, uh, I, I think, was actually pretty good. It, it was the longest match on the show. And I am not a fan of the Road Warriors. I don't think they're great wrestlers. I never have. But my God, um, Hawk was flying uh, through this. He, it was actually kind of a sight to behold. Yeah, they were they were pumped for this match. The fans were into it, and it was a really fun match. And I, I, I don't know that I'm a big – I'm not really a big fan of, like, having to wait for a guy to come in. Like, unless there's, like, some anticipation, like, with the Royal Rumble, when you don't know. But when basically somebody's, like, all but chained outside and they have to wait, kind of like, oh, God, the Elimination Chamber. <laughs> um, I kind of hate that, but it, this wasn't that bad. I was surprised with the lack of blood in this match. Yeah, actually, you're right. Because usually, like, one of the, whenever I think of war games... I usually think of what was it the uh, dangerous dangerous alliance against the Stinger Squadron, and those guys were just everybody was juiced in the end of that match, and um, it was just completely bloody a bloody match. Then like the four horsemen against the uh, Sting and the Road Warriors, and that was always a bloody one. But uh, this one was pretty tame compared to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was—it's just really interesting seeing the Midnight Express's faces. I'm not used to that. It's so weird, so weird. That could—that couldn't have lasted long. No, I wouldn't think so. And the Samoan SWAT team—how are they gonna? Like, what are they gonna do against them? Yeah, those guys are crazy. But yeah, so uh, pretty good match. Uh, it was fun. Uh, I think it really got the crowd going. But the I, oh man, uh, the main event was good. 
but I, I would say the main event was probably the second top match or the second best match on the card. Maybe third after this one. I don't know, but I really did enjoy uh, two of my all-time favorites, uh, Ric Flair and Terry Funk going at it. I think this match was definitely a setup for the next match. Like, this was a build-up match, the way this was, because uh, nobody really got over one way or the other. It was, a, it was a quick pin, and they just pretty much brawled the whole time. Yeah, the way that the, the match ended, it really just ended with them brawling. Yeah. So what was – so, uh, but at the end of this, who – I get what, Rick – I guess Rick won, right? Yeah, Rick Flair, uh, he went for a spinning toe hold, and uh, Terry Funk hooked him in a uh, small package, and then Rick Flair reversed the small package. But it wasn't it, – like you said, it wasn't a definitive uh, – Yeah, it was and... a real quick pin, and then Muda ran in, they beat up Flair, and then Sting came out. So uh, what was the, where did they meet back up? I think at the uh, next pay-per-view, which I have to look on here, but. Halloween Havoc? So the uh, Halloween Havoc, the main event was uh, Ric Flair and Sting uh, versus uh, Great Muda and Terry Funk. Yeah, so this was definitely a setup match. Yeah, with, and apparently Bruno San Martino was the special guest referee, which just feels weird. Oh, we're going to have to probably watch that one someday. Absolutely. Uh, so, but it looks like I guess that was the end of it because uh, the next pay per view was Starcade, and that's the one where Sting uh, beat Rick. Yeah, I liked uh, one of my favorite things about this match was uh, Terry Funk selling. Oh God, yeah, he was Terry Funk was just amazing. Absolutely. Um, when uh, Ric Flair would do the the neck wrench on him, he, his neck would stay in that position like it was broken, mm-hmm. and he'd be like pointing to his pointing to his neck. <laughs> it was just he's he's just great to watch. That is that was the one good thing about the ECW pay per view was we got to see some Terry Funk. So, uh, yeah. Um, actually, did you see the Terry uh, Terry Funk uh, and? Uh, uh, Jay Lawler match from earlier this year. No, I didn't. I didn't see that. It's uh, gosh, I forget where it was, but YouTube it. Uh, it's what I watched was awesome. Wow, Terry Funk's still wrestling. Yeah, he's only retired about thirty-five times. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but he's middle-aged and crazy. Yeah, I know. I liked uh, I liked Terry Terry Funk's run in uh, the first run in WWF, and it's unfortunate that they were gonna. I think they were working towards a uh, feud between him and Hulk Hogan, that never happened. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been some interesting matches. But yeah, so this I mean, like it was a good match. Uh, Rick got color. I don't remember. I don't think Terry got color in this, did he? Uh yeah, towards the end he did I think a little bit, yeah. not much. Okay, but Ric Flair was split open pretty heavy. Yeah, is Rick? Al- of course, Rick always bleeds. Yeah, he's got the. That's why he's got that white hair. I think because <laughs> he's he's a natural brown. Yeah, but that uh, white hair, nothing looks better than Ric Flair's forehead busted open with that white flowing hair mm-hmm. that he doesn't have anymore. Poor old Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we probably do need to, uh, at some point, 
cover the uh, Halloween Havoc 89 as a show. But realistically, I think that'll probably take a while because there's so much to talk about. Uh, I, I was having a conversation with Jason and we were talking about stuff that may be worth talking about and we just kept coming up with all sorts of ideas. I got a tweet today from a listener who uh, threw out some suggestions. Uh, there's so much stuff to talk about, but I think what we're going to go to next is something different again, which is uh, from the WWE Network under the old school banner, so old school WWE. So this is uh, from Madison Square Garden, February 2nd, 1976. And uh, a lot of interesting matches on here. Uh, Ivan Koloff versus Ivan Putski. Uh, Bruno San Martino defeats superstar Billy Graham, so that's going to be awesome. Uh, Bobo Brazil is on it. Um, gosh, who else? Ernie Ladd. Uh, Kevin Sullivan. So it's going to be an awesome, awesome. Well, it will be awesome. I don't know how how well it'll translate to 2016. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I definitely the reason why I wanted to do a show like this was because I like to I want to try to get all the different eras. And, uh, and it's, it's, I mean, it's exposing me to stuff I've never watched before. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't seen a lot of 70s stuff. No. At some point, I want to get, uh, buy those, uh, DVDs that Jim Cornette sells. I may do it this week of, uh, the 70s era Jim Crockett, uh, house shows that he's converted over to DVD from, uh, eight millimeter, 16 millimeter film, whatever it was. Oh, that'd be a lot of fun to watch those. Yeah. Maybe if you uh, give him a call and tell him we'll review him, he'll send us a free copy. Or maybe you won't. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. So let's see here. Joey, how do people get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me on TF Radio slash H-O-G-G. That's TF Radio dot net. TF Radio dot net. Slash H-O-G-G. And you say the second G with a smile. Yeah, you have to, otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. That, that 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 redirects you to uh, the JT Hog Facebook page. <laughs> uh, and you can uh, find me personally on Twitter at B Kilby. So any any <laughs> any parting thoughts this week? Uh this is a good show. I enjoyed watching it. I watched it twice, like I said, and uh I'm looking forward to uh next week. And again, I hope everybody's enjoying it and Send in your suggestions, which you seem to be doing already, so that's pretty cool. And uh, check out uh, Amazon. Oh, yeah, tfradio.net slash Amazon. Do all your Amazon shopping there. It'll help us pay for the show. I do. Awesome. And, of course, uh, leave us a review on iTunes, especially uh, starting out like this. It will really, really help. Okay, well, I guess until next week, uh, this has been... Take for wrestling. We'll see you later. Bye bye. Have a good one. Bye.